Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Blister Podcast on the one and only Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. This past weekend, Mike Rogie, the editor of the Mountain Gazette, was in Mount Crested Butte. And so in what seems like a very long time coming, Mike and I actually sat down in person for the first time and just had a really interesting conversation about how things are going with the Mountain Gazette. And we talk a good bit about the current state of publishing and stories and media. There's no question it's a really interesting time, I'd say, in the whole global media landscape. And that is no less true when it comes to outdoor media. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I really enjoyed talking to Mike about how these last two years have been for him since he brought back Mountain Gazette. And I have to say, I have been quite impressed at the level of the writing and just the whole layout and the photography with Mountain Gazette. And I really liked Mike's answer when I was asking him, like, what do you see happening next or where's the evolution for Mountain Gazette? I think his answer to that question was a very, very good one. Now, just two things before we get going here. We dropped our Blister Labs video, which is the video of the panel session that we had at the Blister Summit this past February, where you'll get to hear from some of the key players in this Blister Labs initiative, and we talk about some of our current and future projects. So you can find that on our YouTube channel, or you can also find it on our website. It's been really interesting. There has been a lot of press coverage about what we're doing with Blister Labs. Jason Blevins, good old Jason Blevins from, you know, Blevins Corner. Jason wrote about it for the Colorado Sun, and Courtney Holden recently wrote about it for the magazine 5280, which you can find the story at 5280.com. And there has been a lot of additional coverage. So we wanted to say thank you. We appreciate the really international interest in what we're doing with Blister Labs. And there has been a lot of outreach from students who want to come be a part of this program and faculty as well. So it's been really interesting. And you can learn a whole lot more about what we're doing with this Blister Labs panel session video that we have. And I'll include a link to that in the show notes of this episode. Last thing, Bodie Miller. Bodie Miller is going to be making his return to the Blister Podcast Network. I'm actually talking to Bodie in just like two hours from now, I promise you, you're going to be interested in uh, what Bodie has to say. So if you are not already subscribed to our Gear 30 podcast, go find Gear 30 and subscribe. And then that episode should be dropping this coming Friday morning. And so that's just a couple of things we've got going on here. But for now, let's go ahead and get to my conversation from Blister Headquarters in Elevation Hotel with the one and only Mike Rogie. Here we go. All right. Well, I am here in Blister Headquarters with Mike Rogie. Mike, welcome to Crested Butte and welcome to Blister HQ. It's nice to be back. It was a pleasant surprise to find out that Blister HQ was exactly three floors down from where I was sleeping. 
the last few nights. And yeah, it's nice to finally be in here. It's quite the ski collection you have. Fun fact, I actually lived in Elevation Hotel for almost a year and a half. And so for a year and a half, I would just wake up and like walk downstairs. I will confess, often just take the elevator down. If it makes you feel any better, I haven't taken the stairs once. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, but you, you got a glimpse into my world for like almost a year and a half. I do want for, you know, I understand it's an audio medium, but you are a nine second. I tried to time it from the lift walk yeah. from where I'm sitting right now which is up there with one of the more impressive ski offices I've seen in my career. <laughs> yeah, we like it here. Very we like cool. it here. Well, first, why don't we say a word, if you don't mind, about why are you in town? Yeah, so um, 11 years ago, I started a production company called Verb Cabin. Um, we're guns for hire. Um, we've kind of moved away from marketing materials, moved towards short documentaries, and we are doing a film on the Grand Traverse, which is... 24 years old, it is the race from Crested Butte to Aspen, backcountry race. Um, really cool, culturally like super rich, awesome characters, and yeah, a bunch of World Cup guys, but who cares about them? <laughs> right. But um, now we've got two teams that we're following. I've been in town following them for a couple of days. We've been meeting folks that have done all 24 or mm -hmm. 23, and then we'll be doing 24. And then one of our teams, uh, it's a a group of sisters for two sisters from Colorado and it's their first race. And so we're going to put this film together and hopefully put it out in the fall. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Grand Traverse is a very cool race run by some very cool people and filled with a bunch of very cool sort of quote unquote competitors. Some are extremely competitive and some are just out to mostly torture themselves, uh, in a very cool environment. Um, the subtle dissing of Aspen is like probably my favorite part. I mean, in the safety meetings today, you're talking about having hundreds of competitors there. They take this very seriously. Safety is no joke. Yeah. They've got crews out there for a week calling in like avalanche reports, snow conditions, wind, everything every day. And they all say like, and of course you'll be ending in glitter gulch, you know, and don't, don't hit the small dogs on your way into, you know, the gondola plaza or whatever. And like, it's just, I like the I like ski town rivalries. We have one obviously in Tahoe with North Lake and South yep. Lake, but this one's all time. <laughs> Shout out to all of my great friends in Aspen. Oh, I lived in the Hotel Jerome for a month. Huh. When I was researching a story for Powder, so I am no stranger to Aspen. I love it there. I actually think hiking up to Highlands Bowl is pretty special too. Yeah. There's some there's some good things over in that in their little neck of the woods. Definitely. Yeah. It's just this little neck of the woods is, you know, obviously better. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you're covering the Grand Traverse. You're also going to be coming out in the not too distant future with your fourth issue of the, can we say reinvigorated, reinstated? What re word would you like to use here? People use revival. revival. Mountain Gazette has died twice. <laughs> and so everyone kind of said three times is a charm. So yeah, 197 comes out on uh, May 15th. Excellent. Start shipping to our subscribers. At this point, I should probably give you the opportunity to say a word about, well, what is the Mountain Gazette for someone who might not know? Sure. So Mountain Gazette was started in 1966 here in Colorado. 
Um, it was known pretty immediately as being the alternative voice. It was called the village voice of outdoor, uh, the Rolling Stone of outdoor. Um, it also stood on its own, you know, um, it welcomed in voices like George Sibley, um, Dick Dorworth, Mike Moore was the editor, uh, later Hunter S. Thompson and Edward Abbey wrote for it. Uh, a lot of outdoor companies like the North Face, Black Diamond, Patagonia, uh, launched their brands in there. Um, we have an old ad that is a, from a fall issue, and it simply says, the Chenard Equipment Company will be releasing its catalog in the f- spring of 1973. Huh. You know? And so that magazine had a great run, that iteration, until 1979. Um, like a lot of people, it took the 80s off. It started rumblings of coming back in the late 90s. Had a great run under a guy named John Fahey, a legendary writer around here. Um you know, a mentor of a lot of today's writers, you know, Brennan Leonard guys start in that version of the mountain gazette. Um, and that magazine suffered the fate of what we're seeing with a lot of magazines, just an over-reliance on ad revenue, thin pages, like just losing its kind of soul. And that died in 2012. And then I bought it (laughs) in January of 2020 um, right before COVID. So Perfect. T- timing was excellent. When I bought it, Jonathan, my thought was like, this is going to be like my side hobby. Like I almost thought of it like of like a, a book club that took too much effort. It's just going to be fun. I was going to bring it back. And then when the pandemic shut everything down, it did give me a lot of time to spend with it. And my wife, Megan, who's our vice president, Says it best. A lot of people learn how to make sourdough. Mike taught himself how to make a magazine. Hmm. And our first issue back, 194, we continued the numbering to continue the legacy. Came out. And during that time, we probably sold like three or 400. I was fully expecting to have about 500 copies of this thing sitting in my house. And Powder Magazine, Bike Magazine, they all folded. And we sold out the next day. It was like, we saw people recognize that we were going to be hopefully grabbing that torch from them and keeping it going. We're almost at 5,000 subscribers. Now we openly talk about our subscriber numbers. We don't hide that at all. We don't inflate those numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, there are like six or seven ad partners in 132 pages. Most there's 128, 26 pages of uninterrupted editorial Mm -hmm. and why you and I are such good friends. And also I've joked with people we're the opposite side of the coin. Hmm. We do not write about gear at all. And famously I told Jason Blevins, the Colorado son, when he asked if we would do gear, I said, why would I do gear when blister gear review does it so well? Hmm. And that was sort of how we started becoming, I think acquainted with one another. Yeah. Though we've also had over the years, a number of people, I trust this has gone both ways, sort of be like, you two know each other, right? Or you should talk to so-and-so. You've already (laughs) talked to, I've had that like so many times, but I just figured, no, I'm not talking to that guy until he comes to Crested Butte and sits on that couch. There we go. And I was waiting for you to come to Tahoe. What a good good stare down we had. But yeah, I know we have have a lot of mutual friends. Luke Jacobson from Moment being one of them. And then Dan Abrams from Philo Gear who speaks very highly. I think he spoke at 
your a conference that you uh, the did. blister speaker series thing we yeah. did yeah yeah he really enjoyed that yeah so yeah here we are we finally made it happen yeah surrounded by skis so back to sort of well the folding of powder and bike and then let's stay there we'll we'll bracket the sort of COVID question maybe for a minute, but yeah, when those went down, it was interesting because I think you guys were telling a story that we frankly at Blister had not really told that much. And we don't, I should tell the story way more than we do, frankly, but it was just that great reminder, which should be obvious to so many of us. I do think way more people understand this today than maybe five years ago, certainly 10 years ago, right? But this note that if there are publications that you really find and get value from, we do need to find ways to support them and not out of some sort of charity thing, but in like, and I know you have a, you have a take on the support word. I just like the word value. And so when those magazines were folding, it was like, listen, if you actually find value and say what we're doing at blister, well, there, we have a membership. There's things you can do. If you don't, then don't pay anything. That's kind of my personal take on it. And that's what we've said. I just actually don't say it very often. What's your take on this? I don't know if there's anything the subscribers of powder and bike or surfer could have done to save it, which is pretty unfortunate because when I was, I didn't just buy Mountain Gazette on a whim. I do a lot of research. Um, I have an advisory board that's filled with the, the founder of Rolling Stone, um, a co-founder of MTV, a founder of Vice. And you're thinking like, well, you know, why would you grab those people? MTV was once the, the biggest thing, thing in the world. Ever, yeah. And they watched it die. Yeah. Vice was the biggest thing in the world with an IPO that they thought would rival you know, gosh, they thought it was going to be up there with Disney. Yeah. Um, didn't do so hot. Um, you know, Jan Winter tried to buy powder at one point. The guy's a huge skier. Hmm. Um, so I asked all these people about like media models and it kind of gets us to this like support thing, right? So there's a lot of nonprofits in the outdoor world. There's avalanche centers. You should support those. Them. Yeah. They need your support. And it might just seem like semantics, and it is in some sense, but I don't want your support with Mountain Gazette. I want your business. And what I want you to do is to pay for our magazine. It's a value prop. And we will give you unedited, like when I say unedited, like no one tells us what to put in this magazine except our subscribers. We give them what they want, which is long form stories, stunning photography. We're 11 by 17. We're oversized. So we're a foot tall by almost two feet wide. It's huge. The blister buyer's guide is way more convenient to carry around where we have, we have your three first issues of the Gazette on the table. And I'm looking at our rather thick buyer's guide. And you know, when I'm walking around, this is, this is like, we're continuing the competition here. See, like you, you're trying to like get on an airplane much easier with the blister buyer's guide than with mountain Gazette. Yeah, I don't want to go on an airplane with you. I want to like I want our magazine to hang in hang in your house. And I think what it does on a coffee table is it says it says a lot about you as a person without you having to say it for yourself. You know? And 
I mean, to, to equate it to blister, like you guys do the most in-depth reviews anywhere. So I have friends that want to read two, three, 4,000 words on a new binding. They want to know 360 degrees. What is this thing inside out? all of it. They don't care what pro skier hit it in a movie, whatever, which I think was something that we relied on too heavily when we were doing reviews at powder. It was like, if you like Eric Yoros and this will make you ski like Hoji. <laughs> no one can ski like Hoji except Hoji. Yeah. Um, and I found that like what we would do when I was there is we would do a hundred things just so we could tell that one great soulful story. That was what people wanted from powder. They wanted culture. They wanted like the cracks of the dirtbag life, you know, and not like the Instagram dirtbag influencer, but like the real people mm -hmm. that like the dude I met the other day, who's a middle school English teacher here and carries a picture of Jerry Garcia to Aspen every year. So when he gets lost on the, on the way on the Grand Traverse, he's like, Jerry, where are we going? <laughs> Where's Jerry going? Jerry's going to Aspen. Like, I think it's important for people to know that it puts context into the sports you love. Um, outside of just the physical part of it. And I guess ultimately like I just had to look at this from a different way. And I think another mutual friend of ours, Jason Leventhal, who told me straight up, dude, people don't read. <laughs> Thanks Jay. Yeah. Jay's one of my most trusted advisors because he reminds me all the time what we are as magazine business content creators, we're a direct consumer business. And ultimately the reason why these things fail is the leadership doesn't see that that business prop. They see other ways of making money and they get too reliant on it. seems a little mm -hmm. easier. Take a little money for a gear review, whatever you lose your way, you lose your, your voice and then you're, you're lost in the woods and, and unfortunately you get shut down. Yeah. So shout out to Leventhal for his whole people don't read given that we kind of built blister on like, I don't know, now 10,000 word reviews <laughs> and you guys are seem to be doing fairly well with the long form genre. So I, I like, yeah. I know what Jason means and, I do too. and, and that's why, you know, the, our reviews better be real good and better be real accurate. Right. And the, yeah. the long form, bad long form is bad, right? It's bad. But I mean, I think that our frequency of twice a year, with a 30,000 word story allows you to, I, I know people, my mother being one of them, they get their copy of Mountain Gazette and they try to read it all in like eight hours. <laughs> I don't even edit the magazine that way. I take my time with every story just to really understand it, try to understand the perspective of the person writing or shooting for that particular article. But um, I think it's good in business to surround yourself with people who disagree with you. Yep constantly yeah um my favorite part of my relationship with jay is that um we're both subscribed to each other's email lists and um as a courtesy we often reply to each other to help our open rates and <laughs> but we we actually like do like weekly critiques of each other's emails wow i really like how you did this this is like feels really personal or you know i wrote a three thousand word this is what we're going to do in 2022 mountain gazette update and he's like why would anyone read this he's like i wouldn't read this if like family member sent this to me you know so it's good to have people around you that push you and yep. check you and remind you that you don't have all the answers yeah before we start talking too much more about 
what the last two years has been like and maybe how similar or different, say, the upcoming issue is going to look from what you've like from what you've already done. I want to talk a little bit about writing and authors. I was about to use the term literary influences, and that sounded way too pretentious. But I mean, growing up, were you an avid reader? Did you get into reading kind of later in life, which sadly, it's always shameful, but that's was a bit of me. Where were you with like a reading life? And who were you reading? So uh, my mom read to me all the time when I was a kid. I read to my my wife and I read to our son every night, multiple books. The last argument we have every night is how many books we'll read. It's usually three, sometimes four. Um, and my parents were really cool about a lot of stuff, but I've always thought the coolest thing was that I was not some kind of spoiled kid where I could walk into a ski shop and ask for anything I wanted. It didn't work that way. But if we went to a bookstore, I was allowed to get a book. I had to read it. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. I had to use That's it. That's cool. That's just, a really good rule. Right? Just like um, just like food or something. Like if you're like a kid and you got to dinner with your parents, like you can order whatever you want, but you have to eat it. If mm-hmm. you don't eat it, then that rule goes away. And so, I don't know, as a kid, I, I did read Freeze Magazine, Free Skier, Powder. But, you know, I'm 36 years old. And so, at the time, what was in those magazines was like the dawn of the twin tip. And for me, what was really cool was a lot of that was happening in Whistler and in Quebec with the new Canadian Air Force. And it was also happening in Albany, New York with Lion Skis. Mm-hmm. And I'm from upstate. So I was seeing this happen in magazines and happen locally. That was really, sounds strange, but it was cool to read something and then apply that knowledge to what was happening around you. Mm-hmm. You know, like you'd read about the 1080 from Solomon and then you'd go to the hill and one of those dudes would be there. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Um, as I got to high school, um, I got into Greek mythology, got into Shakespeare, um, got into like, you know, all the high school books that people are trying to ban right now, um, To Kill a Mockingbird, um, Catcher in the Rye, you know, just I, I always enjoyed reading a book and discussing it with my classmates that actually read it. And mm-hmm. you can all, and I could always tell, this is like a little tip for like anyone out there that thinks cliff notes help. Like, dude, we can always tell mm-hmm. cliff notes don't affect your life the way reading a full book can. And the book that really changed my life forever was a river runs through it by Norm McLean, which my high school English teacher gave me as a graduation present. Wow. So much so that I followed my then high school girlfriend to college. I'm the first person in my family to go to college and graduate. Um, I went to Albany thinking I was going to be a teacher. I was going to marry her white picket fence, two and a half kids and a dog or whatever the stats are. Um, and a river runs through it just never left my brain. And I, and that girl and I broke up, I decided I didn't want to be a teacher. Although I love that profession. I think it's really like underrepresented, under respected, um, profession in America. But I moved to Montana. I moved to Missoula, Montana. I'd never been there before, man. And like went to the University of Montana to be a poet of all things. I was like, I'm going to be Norm McLean. Yeah. See, man, let me interrupt that. That is the power of books, right? You, some kid in New York reads one book. I've had some books make moves like that for me, you know? So when Jay, we'll pick on Jay for a second. When people's, when, you know, Jay's like, people don't read 
it's like, well, you should, because these kind of trajectories, like that one thing you read that knocks off the course, you know, sets you on a different course. Um, that stuff's anyway, that stuff's powerful Um, and cool. The book that I think changed me as a writer was, um, it's really interesting. Maybe not. If you follow me on Twitter, I'm a huge baseball fan. And I read this book called the bad guys one. Hmm. It's about the 1986 Mets. And they were always had a reputation for being like this drug fueled party, hard baseball team that all other teams hated mm-hmm. major league baseball and they won. And what I found so interesting was like, no one had ever written about baseball that way about hmm. the trials and tribulations of the lives of the players. And like, not like, you know, Mickey Mantle's known for going out and ordering two sticks or whatever. This was like, you know, Ron Darling and so-and-so got into a fist fight in Houston and his hand was bad. And if you see his stats, he had three bets and it contextualized and it made me start thinking about like, well, like when a professional skier, I'm using air quotes, um, not for professional skier designs a ski, which my stance on that is there's very few professional skiers that have the engineering background to actually build an effective ski. I would rather an engineer like Luke build a ski. No disc pro skiers are good for a lot of other stuff for sure. But when a pro skier designs, I, I think a lot about like what mindset was this person in when they made this, you know, because I do think that context actually, people are not always 100% at their job, you know, like life and other things come in and affect them. And that book changed the way I wrote profiles. I remember thinking the most interesting thing about JP Claire was that a few years before he died, staying in his house in Switzerland, and he made his own almond milk. Now think about how crazy that is. Almond milk is so readily available. Yeah. He made his own almond milk. And when I asked him why, he said it was because he kind of wanted people to think he was interesting. <laughs> and I'm just like, you are one of the most interesting human beings to begin with. <laughs> but I, again, I, I think about that a lot of like this little side, sto- side story, excuse me, about him that kind of tells you a lot about who he is. You know, he kept an underwater scuba notebook in the shower because his best ideas came when he was in the shower. Hmm. You know, and so I, I'm now with, with Gazette, with any writing I do, you know, from that one book I read probably 18 years ago, um, I look for that stuff. I look for like the little stuff. Like for example, like I came in here, I saw these skis, you and I chatted about how hard you work. And then I saw that you have whistle pig whiskey here. And I was like, well, he's all right. (laughs) He's okay. You were out on me about the, I sure hope I wasn't going on about how I probably was. It's been, we're, we're getting, we're crossing the finish line, closing day tomorrow here in Crested Butte. So yeah. Independent media companies are wonderful work. It is. It's wonderful work. We're so lucky, blessed, whatever the word is you want to use. Like you and I are very fortunate and privileged to be able to do this. It also has its share of like highs and lows, you know, we're moving warehouses because our last warehouse lost 300 copies of our magazine. Basically they lost like 10% of our magazines, the first round, you know, and you're like, how do I deal with this? Not just like, how do I deal with this? Like as a problem, but how do I deal with like the frustration of this? And I usually just go skiing and that helps, but you know, yeah, it's real. I'm going to bring us back. You were talking about A River Runs Through It. Mm-hmm. That is the book that got you to head to Montana. Has that continued to be a book? Because sometimes books act, books, 
provide, like we said, they alter the course, uh, the trajectory of a life, but maybe that book got you to Montana and then it was other books that kind of, you know, that then kind of captivated you and became influential or is A River Runs Through It still kind of a book that you come back to think about? Sort of perfect. It's sort of a perfect text. Um, Norm McLean wrote it about a decade before he died. He never actually saw that crappy Brad Pitt movie that came out. He reluctantly gave it to Robert Redford because let's be honest, Robert Redford owns Sundance. He's, you know, Jeremiah Johnson. He's an outdoor badass. Yeah. You'd, I'd put my trust in Robert Redford too. But, uh, I mean, how has it affected me? Like, I mean, my son's middle name is McLean. Um, in 194, the McLean family let us run a story by Norm McLean that had never been published um, about the best dogs his dad had ever owned. Hunting dogs. Really cool. And then in 195, um, Amanda Monty, who wrote our cover story, introduced me to Norm's son, John, who also wrote a story for us and John and I are now email friends and like it sounds weird like I'm this like huge fan of this one text but I'll just say like you know there's people that are fans of other texts that like start wars and shit so I'm gonna say a river runs through it's pretty safe yep um and then he'll he'll definitely kill me for saying this and he'll listen to it but Peter Cray writing the god of skiing because I felt like skiing always needed one of those soulful novels so the other book I really liked, you know, in addition to The God of Skiing was Tracking the Wild Kumba, which is um, essentially a biography of Doug Coombs. It's by Robert Cacuzzo. But what I really enjoyed was Robert Cacuzzo tracked Doug's steps. So guy was not a backcountry skier at all. He's just like a regular Joe Schmo, probably rents his skis when he goes, you know, not he's a recreational vacation skier. But Doug Coombs like changed his life in Jackson Hole. And so after Doug died, he decided to follow Doug's career. So he starts in New Hampshire and he skis tucks for the first time. It scares the shit out of him. And then he comes to, uh, I think, Colorado and then Jackson and then eventually Alaska. And then the book ends in LaGrave where Doug unfortunately passed away. And I had never heard of that style of writing before. I thought it was really cool and I don't know. I'm more about the like formats and people switching things up, you know, like Peter Cray says something to the effect in the God of skiing that he writes that, um, in order to make that book true, he had to make things up. And I understand that, you know, to like what happened in your head might not be what happened in reality, but it's how it felt for you. And I guess all this is to say that there's a, there's a lot of people out there. We talk a lot in outdoor right now about diversity and, how do we get more people in the sport? Um, and obviously I agree with that, but the thing that I'm I worried about is I don't want more people to come into outdoor and think the way I do or the way you do. Um, I would, in our first issue of the Gazette, we had Sadie Stein, who's an editor at Paris Review, write um, about bird watching in New York. And if you read it, there's a lot of parallels between like the vibe in Jackson Hole and bird watching in Central Park. And I want that perspective, you know, I want Gina Danza's perspective as a photographer or Jason Roman, our, our, those are two of our senior photographers, you know, like who don't, Jason was born in Brooklyn. He has not come from an outdoor background, but yet we're working on a project right now for the fall issue. So I think what I'm finding 
for me and for the Gazette is that the way we'll keep it fresh and it'll be new every time is we just have to get new people with new perspectives and not expect them to fit a outdoor mold. But I would just want to get their interpretation of what it means to be an outdoors person. I and like that. Yeah. yeah. I like that answer a lot. Yeah. Because I think, you know, issue 194, your first, I'd say that came out pretty fully formed. So if I were to answer the question that I was kind of asking you, you know, how sort of fully formed does this feel? I would say pretty fully formed. It didn't feel like from that first through the third, it's like, oh, they're starting to figure it out now. I think it feels pretty figured out. So I think your idea about it's about the the new perspectives coming in, right? There's there's a lake or waterway analogy here, I presume, that one could make. Yeah, I mean, for us, so our art director, is, his name is John Coleman. He's a kid I played Little League Baseball with in upstate New York. He'd worked on the I Love New York campaign. He's a former newspaper editor. Um, we were lucky. I mean, Helvetica was the original Mountain Gazette font. So like sweet clean design yep and one of the things the diff i'd say the difference between 194 and like say 196 our current issue or our next issue is that we really wanted to nail the template if you will and we use that word pretty intentionally mm -hmm. we don't do unique design for every feature and you're like well oh, that's kind of boring like no, no no the words in the photos make the feature mm -hmm. the design's hidden yeah and it's supposed to be that way um, what I like to say to our contributors is, um, when they ask, should we make it personal? I say, yeah, make it deeply personal. This is your story. I want you to take your time on it. Um, if you're not ready, if you want to send me notes, if you want our copy editor, Kim Stravers to read it, if you want a friend to read it, like we're open to however you want to create, not to be corny, but like truly a masterpiece because people want to keep these forever. And the only reason you keep a good story forever is because it's a good story. So, you know, like 194, I wanted to pay tribute to the old Gazette. So we had John Fahey write a story for us. Um, but I wanted to get, you know, Doug Schnitzbahn, who's the editor of Elevation Outdoors here. Like, I wanted a really great Colorado story, but Doug ended up turning a piece about Neowise, that comet, and about how that comet gave him hope during like some of the darkest days of COVID and he was walking around Colorado and the lights were out and we just spent a lot of time looking at the stars and you're like, Oh God, you know, but I think what was really cool was that was our COVID story. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people yeah. related to it. Yeah. Our current issue has a story about Logan Imlock. He, he actually pitched the story to me before 194 huh. and it wasn't ready. So we spent a year, huh. but Logan spent about a year getting sober and trying to keep his family together in the midst of a divorce with his ex-wife um, by teaching his daughter how to ski. And I've had more people send me messages about that story in particular saying, you know, I was that little girl or, you know, I was that ex-wife, whatever. Like they found themselves in there. And Logan's a street skier yep. from Level 1 Productions. Yep. And I feel like a lot of people are probably like, really, Logan wrote that? But it took a long time because we needed to nail it. And so that's the beauty of what we're doing is, we're not under any pressure to like squeeze it into the next issue. If it's not ready, we'll give it another year. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think that's just the way that when I built it, I put myself in the freelancer's shoes. I was like, how would I have wanted an editor to work with me? 
And it was like giving you time, not being under the pressure of a deadline, um, fair pay. You know, if we extended a year, we'll give you a deposit. Hmm. You know, I don't know if anyone does this. We pay everyone within six weeks of the magazine going to press. And in most instances, our contributors have been fully paid. <laughs> the money's cleared, you know, we're good. And then they get their issue. Hmm. Because again, I was like, that makes you feel good. It feels complete when you get your magazine. Like I worked on this, I've been paid. And now I just get to have the fun part, which is sharing it with my friends and family. Let's talk about publishing outside of the outdoor industry. Are there any publications today, again, outside of the outdoor industry that you really look to, really like what they're doing, whether it's in terms of their content or in terms of their business models? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'm, I make no secret, Mountain Gazette is based off of a magazine in Brooklyn run by a company called Doubleday and Cartwright um, called Victory Journal. And they're like, we don't cover wins and losses, but we cover like the games. They have Michael Jordan on their cover right now, which I wish I could do. <laughs> they, um, I actually called them up and told them when I saw their mag, I was like, I want to do this, but for outdoor, can you help me? And the folks over there gave me six hours of their time hmm. over a week. I think I was the first person that ever called them that actually cared about their business model. Hmm. Um, I really like Flagrant Magazine, which is, uh, I'm not even a big basketball fan, let alone a women's basketball fan, but they're an all uh, women's basketball, like street ball to WNBA huh. publication. And they make no apologies. Yeah. They don't like, let's sneak Steph Curry into like try yeah. to, they're like, no. Yeah. We tell six stories about women's basketball. Um, what a great title, too. Flagrant. Yeah. Their first cover was um, photoshopped. It was someone eating cereal, and the cereal was like mini basketballs. <laughs> and like the milk was like dripping off the spoon. It was just so hmm. – they have like a really cool visual. And I mean, what's awesome is like they're just doing what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And they're not looking to like – they obviously want to run a successful business, but like Nike caught wind of them. And now they have a partnership with Nike, you know, not because they were trying to appease Nike mm -hmm. because they were actually trying to not appease because Nike wasn't actually covering women's basketball the way they did. Um, I really like flagrant. My friend, Mike Repetti runs a interesting business called the motoring club. It's like a car enthusiast club and he has uh, the motoring journal, which is just like all the journals. Um, I'm not a car enthusiast. So I, I find what's cool is like, um, people are realizing that like niche media is like the future and all you have to do is like, it's like, I, I joke, it's like that first day of college. It's like, okay, where are the other ski weirdos? Mm -hmm. You got to find your, your crew. Yep. And then, and then from there, like you've got like, you know, you're safe, you're in your safe space and then you get to expand your horizons from there and either, you know, join other groups or bring other people in. Like that's at least what my college experience was, you know? And I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that are great. I mean, McSweeney's is amazing. They're an independent publisher. So that's an interesting one to me because, well, one, I mean, McSweeney's has now been around for a couple decades. Yeah. And when it came out, I mean, those first years, McSweeney's, I felt like was a huge thing going. I have to confess, I am less up on McSweeney's these days. So that's my question for you. Are you still talking about early days of McSweeney's or are you still in? All of in it. 
I you're still into what they're doing. I think where they are now is cool. Their editorial online is something that has been really inspiring for me. Um, for those of you wondering about McSweeney's, you've seen McSweeney's online. It's decorative gourd season, motherfucker. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is that that story is about nine years old. And every fall, they share it. There's new stuff. And so we're trying to actually plan that out with the Gazette is how do we get those evergreen mm-hmm. um, content pieces that like remind people like it's time to tune your bike. It's time to, you know, thank your, I don't know, your buddy that hooked you up with gear, like whatever it is. Like we're trying to come up with ways where that can be our online editorial presence because I don't want to do event recaps mm-hmm. or gear. Um, I'm, I'm, I actually really enjoy doing Q and A's with folks, so I don't mind doing those for like relevant topics. But, um, no, I think makes like, I, I think what's cool is like, they're still around mm-hmm. and they're an independent book publisher now. Yep. Um, I've kind of watched their trajectory of we're one magazine. Now we're four magazines. Now we're five magazines and six books a year. Now we're a speaker series. Now we're a podcast. Now we're a merch store. And I have to say what's been impressive is the quality of the magazine's never gone down. Mm-hmm. So that means they're growing at a sustainable rate. And again, yet another thing you don't hear with any business these days, everyone's like, VC money, yeah. let's raise, let's scale, 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 grow as fast as we can. And now I own 20% of something that I've seen pretty little money from. I have like an all right salary. I work all of the time. I'm stressed as hell. Um, if my investor calls me during like my son's t-ball game, I got to pick up. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that. I was like, I want to grow sustainably, um, like McSweeney's, like these other businesses. Some of them have investors, but they're small, small six K investments that are on like a handshake deal. And I think that in media, you have to find out who you want to answer to. And I want to answer to my subscribers. hundred percent, a hundred percent. And in that we have, I'll say it one more time, a hundred percent in common, right? That's what, you know, that was something that I had a lot of clarity about when I started Blister, but it was like, it was real clear, you know, who the writing was going to be for, you know? And so I didn't see a lot of other publications or really honestly, maybe almost no publications where the audience was actually our community of fellow skiers and mountain bikers and trail runners, et cetera. And so that's what we've tried to do. And when you have that clarity of principle, it actually makes it kind of easy. It does. Right. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's a perfect way to put it, man. Um, one of our subscribers sent me a message. He saw I was here in Crested Butte. The pond skim was today. And he sent me a message and said, should I pawn skim with my copy of 196? And I said, that's up to you. And what he was really asking is, if I don't make it, will you replace the issue? And I said, of course I will. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, to be fair, our, cust- our customer service policy on that is if you pawn skim with Mountain Gazette and you fall, we will replace it. If you spill water or beer or coffee, we will not. Gotcha. So, um, but guy comes down, his name's Jack, skims, gets across. We're all excited. You know, my filmer and I are like, this is great. We took a little break from filming the Traverse project. 
guys like out of the pond, high fives me at the gate, comes around. So he's now like 35 seconds removed from skimming across his pond. He goes, I have a great mountain bike story for you. <laughs> and he does. And he's going to write it. Huh. And I want you to know that like, that's how I, I love that. Huh. Like, This was just, by the way, this was like maybe four hours ago. Yeah. 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 It was, <laughs> yeah. At two, two o'clock. So yeah. Four hours ago. Exactly. But I mean, I like that. I like when people come up to me in, you know, in the summit line at Alpine and say, man, I hated the Jade local column. Like that guy really pissed me off. Mm -hmm. Or someone sends an email to me, you know, hey, I, I wrote this. Would you read it? I do. Because that's what I'm here. That's what I'm in the business of doing is reading people's work. And I'm, I'm kind to people. I let them know if it's not a good fit. We only do two issues a year probably less than 30 features annually. So there's, it's, it's hard yep. to get. But what I think is cool about that is I always tell people that doesn't mean that this isn't good. Right. It doesn't mean that you can't publish it somewhere else. And in a lot of cases, I've always said since the beginning, like I have no competitors in this space. I only have friends. Hence why we're chatting. Adam Howard from HOL is a friend. Casimiro from Adventure Journal. Like I'm, it makes me happy to actually pass writers off to them and say, look, I don't know if this fits what you're going for, but this person really wants to get into our world. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. We'll see. One of these days I'm going to pass someone off and they're going to be the editor of like a competitor, a real competitor, like outside, and they're going to come crush me. Hmm. <laughs> can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. It'll be awesome. Okay. I want to ask you your best case scenario, you know, dream version for Mountain Gazette, let's say 10 years from now. Now, you've answered this a little bit so far, so I'll, I'll give you this. You've already said sustainable growth is really important to you, right? So I'm going to assume that a sustainable growth pattern, which is not some given, by the way, like lots of people would not answer that way. But, but can I kind of do the pool break for you with that. So 10 years from now, you will have hoped to have continued to build this publication sustainably. Yeah. So we're year to date. It's April, 2022. We're up 70% over last year. In terms of subscriptions. subscriptions. Yep. Yep. Um, I would like to see 10 to 25,000 subscribers. Now, why? One of the things we can't do right now because we can't afford to do it is send people on these mm -hmm. epic trips. And when I say epic trips, I don't mean like mm -hmm. while they are awesome, it was <laughs> like helicopter on a sailboat, Alaska, like best pro skier. What I mean is like people actually like almost like a grant where we can pay someone seven to 10 to $15,000 for a story that won't appear in our magazine for like three years. Mm -hmm. And they have the ability to go out and just try to do that. Um, I'd love for some of our writers to have turned their work, whether it be with us, but hopefully with other big publishers, like into novels, books. Um, I'm totally comfortable with us being the launch the pad, the launch pad or the peak of someone's career. Huh, I, I huh. don't mind what mountain Gazette means to you is totally, and that's none of my business. I know what I want it to mean to you, but, um, I can't decide that. Um, 
I want, I mean, now you want to talk real dream scenario. I would love for one of my sons to like take an interest, hmm. which is crazy because my father around 13 was like, you're going to take over the family business. And clearly I'm not doing that. Sorry, dad. Um, so, and I think, you know, I want to ski a hundred days a year and I want to, I want to fall in love with mountain biking. You're I, not, you have not fallen in love with mountain biking. I enjoy biking and my like bike hot take is that a lot of skiers try to one-to-one compare skiing and biking and they're not biking. You know, again, I, Joe, we were talking before we started like Joe Parkins making legendary bike magazine editor, by the way, is and, making his mountain gazette debut. In our and, and more importantly, the Cr- maker of the famous crack waffles, crack waffles at that's the right. Buena Vista bike company. So, I was fortunate when I worked at powder to be sandwiched right in between snowboarder magazine and bike magazine. And what I learned is that I used to think skiing was the center of the universe. We were so unique, but biking has its own culture. Oh yeah. And to think that it is a one-to-one with skiing is so incorrect, like biking. And I just want to like find that culture. And I, I think I've struggled to do that, but maybe that's probably my own fault, but it's, it's just like snowboarding and thinking like, oh, he must be the candied Tovex of snowboard. Like, no, dude, they have their, their own history, their own culture, highs and lows and weird characters. And I think for biking, like I'm hoping to find that. Uh, Bryce Minig, I sat next to, he's the editor of Freehub. And I subscribed to Freehub last summer and I love it. Hmm. It's really cool. We were talking about outside, but I really love Freehub. When it comes, I'm like some kook with like a five-year-old mountain bike that like i get it and i just i'm taken away by the photography by bryce's words and it's, it's really cool and like i like how free hub makes me feel hmm. you know so i'm hoping i can become uh and maybe i won't fall in love with biking maybe skiing is my one true love but i would like to have a good relationship with biking <laughs> where we, we see each other at the bar we high five and buy each other a beer wow yeah <laughs> um i should let you get going soon um you are, you know, supposed to be making a film. Not that you need to be doing that right now, but no, I know what you have ahead of you. I know what you're alluding to. So yeah. it's 6 p.m. Um, the race, uh, races are supposed to be here at 10.30 p.m. The race starts at midnight and it goes to Aspen. And the problem with modern lightweight gear and superhuman athletes is that <laughs> we have to be so well-timed on this that they could actually beat our car driving from Crested Butte to Aspen. And we, we really don't want that to happen. <laughs> Not that it's about the winners and the losers, but we do need to be there when those first folks cross the finish line. So, Okay. Tell us again. Issue number 197 of the Mountain Gazette comes out on? May 15th. People can still subscribe, sign up, receive this copy? Yes. Um, so we produce Mountain Gazette in limited quantities because we're not crazy. Again, another Leventhal thing is you would never make 50,000 t-shirts just to say you made them. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. Yeah. We only make like maybe 1,000 or 2,000 more copies than we need, and we've sold out of 194, 195, and we have less than 300 copies of 196 left. So you can go to mountaingazette.com slash subscribe, um, and you'll be set. You can add the current issue if you'd like it. We've got some swag. Um and yeah, what it does is it guarantees you a copy. Mm-hmm. We don't sell it in retail. We 
don't do single issues because we sell out. So we might put 196 up if we have like 100 of them left just to let people capture it. But yeah, it's we want to make something that's special and timeless. That's the goal. Do you mind sharing a few of the things that we will be, you know, finding and reading about in issue 197? Sure. Um, I'd say our story I'm most excited about is I found a my friend uh, T Bird, formerly of Snowboarder Mag, turned me on to this photographer uh, from Kiev, Ukraine. And we're actually going to be publishing out like 12 to 14 pages of photos of Kiev before the Russian invasion. Hmm. And in lieu of a buyout um, and payment, uh, the photographer has asked me to pay to this relief fund that buys weapons for Ukrainian citizens. So we are officially, I guess, funding the war in Ukraine, the defense. I want to be very clear. We're funding the defense of Ukrainians because again, there's a rich outdoor culture that existed there and we think can do that again. Uh, Lily Krass is making her debut. She's writing about a pretty hot button issue. She spent all winter writing it, which we're really proud of, um, on the bighorn sheep problem and bighorn sheep issue and the problems that folks on both sides have. Um, and I was very, very proud of the work she did. And then, um, last, but certainly not least we have, you know, we have about 12 or 15 features, uh, it is it will be the Mountain Gazette debut of Jimmy Chin. Mm-hmm. We're really proud that Conrad Anchor subscribed to the magazine about a month ago, and uh, we've heard from different people that folks say that a lot of outdoor athletes say that this is the only magazine their friends pay for. Hmm. And so we're really excited to have Jimmy's photos in there. We're calling it Best of the Rest, so it's the photos that uh, didn't make his uh, book but mean something to him. Again, that's that Mountain Gazette thing that we can do that no one else can, and. We're going to give Jimmy, I think, 10 pages. So he'll have less pages than the Ukrainian photographer. <laughs> but it's just because he's making his debut. Like, Jimmy, if you keep working less, we right. might give you 10 or you know, maybe we'll give you 10 more. We want to see how Jimmy, you know, how the career kind of unfolds. And, you know, but you're, it's his first at bat. You got to, we need to see if he can hit the ball. And Jimmy is one of those rare people that has a team now because that's what happens when you win an Oscar. <laughs> oh, you yeah. don't just represent yourself. <laughs> he's been so cool via email. We've chatted a little bit, but, um, we've told them like, Hey, by the way, like we're not going to like go out and do paid advertising like Jimmy Chin and mountain Gazette. Like he's just another contributor. He's our contributors are amazing. Yeah. And he is one of them, I guess is the way I'd like to put it. So we're really excited for Jimmy to make his debut in mountain Gazette. It's gonna be cool. And then the Jade locals back, um, where he, uh, regrettably compares, uh, Rob Katz of Vail resorts to Vladimir Putin which is just <sighs> sounds pretty jaded. He's very jaded. Yeah. He's, he's the last page in the magazine. So if you get tired of all this sparkly snowflakes, there's mm-hmm. a guy right back, the bastard <laughs> in the back, that'll just kill you. So, but yeah, I'm really excited about this issue. It's going to be cool. We have our first whitewater story with two bike pieces, um, two climbing pieces. You know, I, I, I want to make people aware that because I'm a ski magazine editor does not mean I make a ski magazine, mm-hmm. you know, we are a reflection of the people who make it. So again, you do not subscribe to Mountain Gazette to read my bike column. No, nope. it doesn't exist. This is the only time you'll ever hear me talk about bikes. And all of my friends back home that are way rather than me on their bikes are going to love this podcast. They're going to make fun of me forever. When you do come out with like 
you know, your your bike column in Mountain Gazette, we have the title already. It's called Rockin' a Whip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so exactly. you can you can also, yeah, feel free to yes. keep using that one. So How embarrassing. Um yeah. Oh man. Well, I would say that we would just go ahead and edit all of your bike talk let's out keep, of this, but we're definitely not going to do that. No, so. let's keep it in. It's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's good to show that, you know, I'm certainly infallible and not perfect. And my wife can tell you I make mistakes all the time. So rocking the whip. Rocking um, the whip. Yeah. We'll make that t-shirt that, and then maybe we'll make a crack waffle t-shirt for Joe. Ooh, yeah. That'd be good. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's been fun having you here and we got to, was that yesterday? Or was that? I don't even know. You, I don't, dude, I told you. I didn't uh, know what day it was. I didn't either. You were like, it's Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, thank you. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's been fun meeting up here and some really good couple days of conversations now. And um, so, yeah, glad uh, glad we made this happen. And unlike Howell, uh, I actually do really like what you guys have going on here. So, you'll notice I never like responded to any emails about Howell or anything like that. So yeah, you, this is a better, this is a better thing you got going. I share an office with Arcade and with the uh, Tristan over at Arcade will appreciate this. Like Cody does a lot for Arcade, but there are a lot of people that do and run Arcade and Cody and I would have lunch and just it was such a weird time. We'd be talking about Howell and then Tanner Hall would walk in. He was living in Tahoe at the time. And I remember just thinking like, what is my life? Yeah. Right now, talking technology with a big mountain skier and then like the greatest like X game skier of all time would come in and interrupt our conversation about something else. And it was weird. Hmm. We live weird existences. A little bit. Weird, but good. Yeah. And, uh, so he won't say it, but uh, if you're listening to this and you don't subscribe to Blister, Blister, not Blister Gear, not Blister Gear Review. Blister is the name of the company. Yeah, that's the name of the company. Um, do so. Hmm. Because... You like it. Obviously, you like it because you're listening to this. We got a blister a blister commercial at the very end of this. After talking about Howell and everything else, that's where we ended up. Um, well, thank you. And, and it, yeah, again, to me, it just goes back to entities, businesses, publications. They need to provide value. And we sure do work hard on the, like, there's a lot of this gear. It's all really expensive. There's a lot of different options, and so we do think we're pretty good at helping people line up with the stuff that is going to help them have the most fun out there. So that's what we're trying to do. And yeah, appreciate all of the many Blister subscribers who are out there and are members. But um, yeah, you know, that's what I kind of say when I do get around to saying is like, if you've listened to a bunch of these podcasts or you've read a bunch of the reviews, that might be your cue. Like maybe I should actually, you know, become a member. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can subscribe to Mountain Gazette mm. and try it for two issues and cancel your subscription <laughs> and you'll have two giant pieces of kindling. Yep. You can burn it. That's one of the problems with Mountain Gazette is we are not fireproof. Not fireproof, right. We... It, does not float for very long. Um, it's made from good old fashioned paper. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would say that um, my advice to anyone who was finally listening to the last moments of this <laughs> podcast, if you waited this long, yeah. which is probably just all the people we've mentioned on this podcast, yeah. um, buy media from people who are obsessed with it. Hmm. I like that. 
like who are obsessed with what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know many people that get into like printing magazines or writing gear reviews because it's like the last thing they were able to do or was easy or whatever. So like, yeah, I like that a lot and you'll benefit from it because you will be getting an, like truly like you want a biased opinion. And what I mean by that is you want someone like my entire life has led me to making the mountain gazette. I would like to be the editor of it until I start my column Rocking the whip. Rocking the whip, in which case it will be time to find the next young yes. person. Hopefully your son. Maybe one of my, yeah, maybe one of my kids or there, there's always going to be someone. It's going to be the <laughs> next kid that picks up a river, runs through it, and is mm-hmm. like, I'm, there moving, you go. I'm moving out west and I'm going to do this. I mean, there's always going to be kids that fall in love with these sports and they need to know more. They need to know the players. And they need to know how it works. Mm-hmm. and They get obsessed. Mm-hmm. Those are the people you should buy media from. Don't buy people from. Don't buy media from people that want an IPO. They have the wrong intention. Hmm. <laughs> and you can move that clip to the front of the podcast. <laughs> hey, man, uh, appreciate this. This has been really fun. Yeah, thanks, man. Good luck with tonight and uh, covering the Grand Traverse and uh, keep finding sources of caffeine is really the best advice I have for you. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, take care. Take care. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Blister Podcast. I want to say thanks to Mike for the conversation. And be sure to subscribe to the Mountain Gazette. And maybe, while you're at it, if you haven't to already, become a Blister member too. I've subscribed to the Mountain Gazette. And I guess I'm a Blister member? I don't know. I actually need to check my status. Anyway, I also want to say thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode and... If you needed more incentive to subscribe to the Mountain Gazette, Taylor actually has images of Crested Butte in issue 196 of the Mountain Gazette. So if you hurry up and subscribe now and check the box where you can also receive issue 196, well, then you not only get to hear Taylor's excellent podcast editing and producing, you get to actually see and have in your house his photography too. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening. And I guess one last thing, if you are enjoying these conversations, we really would appreciate it if you'd take 60 seconds to leave a rating or review in Apple Podcasts of the Blister Podcast. And that just helps us keep this entire thing going and growing. All right, everybody, take care.